0: It's time to dive into the latest news and updates from the Vegas Golden Knights. This is nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Under the direction of Garrett Calloway and Jared Justice, live from Studio 31 inside City National Arena, Darren Millard with Gary Lawless on the day of Game One of the 2021 National Hockey League Stanley Cup Semifinal involving the Montreal Canadiens and the Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas has home ice advantage, Games 1 and 2, to be held at T-Mobile Arena before the Vegas Golden Knights become the first team outside of Canada to cross the border this year. It's going to be a very eventful week. Uh, We will also get to what happened yesterday on the other side of the Final Four, involving the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. But uh, this day is all about the opening game of the... Final four and the Vegas Golden Knights inside this position for the third time in four years, Gary. How does this relate, this scenario, uh, to the other two? I mean, you had the bubble last year, then you had the misfit year. Uh, Another unique perspective uh, for the Golden Knights in their fourth season.
1: Well, just the fact that they're in uh, the final four for the third time uh, in four seasons is very unique. Uh, yeah there'll be a, a, an odd wrinkle uh, or two and the fact that they haven't seen um, you know the nor anyone from the north division all year and that the fact that they are going to travel to Canada that uh, uh, lots of unique stuff you know I mean it's not like uh, it's not like team Canada going over to Russia in 1972 it's uh what was that like uh, I was four so uh, you know wasn't on the plane but uh, uh, you know I, you know it's not like uh, Anytime someone goes to those Eastern Bloc countries, uh, it can be a little unnerving. There's still the uh, the specter of the Cold War hangs over everything, and uh, it'll you know the the, team, the the Canadians are kind of in a bubble right here, where uh, while they're in Vegas, where they are just going from uh, from a hotel to rink um, because they're going to be going back to Canada. Uh, the Golden Knights are are in a similar situation. The media from Montreal. They're, they're staying at a, at a hotel in the strip. They, uh, they can't take an Uber mm-hmm. to the rink. They have to take, uh, league supplied transportation and then there's a league supplied charter that will fly them back to Canada and then they'll be, uh, expected to stay in a bubble while, while they're there or to, to self-isolate while they're there. And, uh, um, you know, it, it, this the pandemic is still kind of hanging over all of this stuff there are not as many vaccines in canada as there there are in the us so they've got uh, they're not as open uh, at this point in time and they're you know they're being protective but still you know allowing for a long time we thought that whoever won the the canadian division or the north division would relocate to the us and uh, you know like the canadians would be in right. chicago playing at a chicago's rink and you know vegas would be going there for uh, for the middle of this round, so that's a bit of progress. Absolutely.
0: Uh, I had one player uh, from Montreal semi me saying the closest that they are getting to any type of uh, normalcy is uh, is counting streetlights from their hotel room. That's that's as close to the uh, the strip that they're getting right now yeah. because of uh, because of that bubble. Uh, the last time these two teams met. Mm-hmm. It was Pete DeBoer's second game as coach of the Vegas Golden Knights. So it's been a while. Uh, How do you go about preparing for a team that you haven't played in such a long time?
1: Well, if you're Pete DeBoer, you pick up the phone and you call your best friend, who's a coach in the NHL, Paul Maurice, uh, who just, uh, you know, his Winnipeg Jets just played uh, the Montreal Canadiens. Maurice had his availability the other day, and he started it out by saying, Someone asked him about the series, and he said, normally, I, you know, I wouldn't even think about it for a couple of weeks. He said, but Pete DeBoer phoned me this morning, and I had to talk about it for two hours. Mm-hmm. So uh, that would be the start of Pete's, uh, or a, a piece of Pete's prep, would be to have, you know, talked to Maurice and found out what he saw in the Canadians. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, the Golden Knights have pro scouts that watched uh, the Canadians play this year. They'll get some, they'll, they will have notes from them, and then, They would have done a ton of video work uh, this weekend uh, to get a look at them. But, you know, there's a lot of players on this Canadiens roster that are not a secret to Pete DeBoer. You know, he knows what uh, Phil Deneau does. He knows what Tyler Toffoli, Brendan Gallagher, uh, Corey Perry, Shea Weber, Ben Sherratt, on and on and on. Carey Price, he knows all about these guys. Joel Edmondson, he played when Edmondson was with the Blues. Uh, you know, he, he watched him. He played against him in the the difference, though, final.
0: Is Dominic Ducharme is a yeah. coach that he's never yeah. faced before.
1: Yeah, uh, Dominic Ducharme is a guy who who coached in in the Canadian Junior League for a long time. Kelly McCrimmon and Dominic Ducharme were uh, assistants on Dave Lowry's staff at uh, at the World Junior Tournament not too long ago. So, uh, um, yeah, you know, the systems are. It's you know it, we I think we spent a lot of time on it but there's they're not that different. But it's
0: got to be different than facing Minnesota and facing Colorado, who you for sure. Went, had, yeah, had they played them eight many times.
1: times this year. Yeah, like, you know, uh, w- listen, uh, Pete DeBoer won't know Ducharme's tendencies under crisis. Mm-hmm. When Dean Evason was pushed into a corner and in crisis, DeBoer probably knew how he was going to react. Mm-hmm. He'd probably seen it somewhere else. When Jared Bednar was was in crisis, he probably knew this is what he's going to do. And, and the minute that he does that, you know, we have an answer for that. Those uh, tendencies of Ducharme's will probably be, uh, the, the, yeah, that's not, you know, it, it, it's not the same as going up against Joel Quenville, who you've gone up against uh, 100 times. Uh,
0: We'll get into Montreal in much uh, more extensive detail with uh, Arpan Basu from The Athletic uh, because Montreal is a team that's evolving uh, as we go here. And certainly from midway point of the season uh, through to now, there's been a lot of significant changes within this organization. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Uh, We'll also check in with Dave Gosher, who is calling the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning uh, series on national radio. And we'll get an idea of what's happening on the other side of the bracket as the New York Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning squared off for game number one uh, yesterday. But uh, tonight is about the Golden Knights and Trying to start off a series uh, on a positive note, which oddly, for a team that's uh, very confident and getting healthier uh, here into round three, Gary uh, has dropped the first game of each series.
1: Yeah, and you know, if I think if you're Vegas, you don't want to continue that. Jeff Petrie won't play for Montreal tonight. He's their best defenseman. This is, uh, uh, I, you know, I think you want to kind of get off to a to a good start here and try and. Um, establish uh, your home ice advantage and 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 hold serve. Uh, you know I think it's important for Vegas to win both of these games at home and uh, and then be able to go to Montreal with uh, you know being in a situation where if they get a split they'll be able to come home and have a chance to close the series out uh, on home ice. That's that that's the approach if you're the home team uh, that you want to take right off the bat.
0: Max Pacioretty faces his former team. He's the first. Former full time captain to face the Montreal Canadiens in the postseason since Doug Harvey in 1968. And just the second, first, they're the only two that have ever done this. So very unique, and we know how uh, highly regarded uh, captains are with the Montreal Canadiens.
1: Yeah, I read a quote from Max's agent, Alan Walsh, saying both sides have moved on gracefully. <laughs> Baloney. Mm-hmm. No chance. <laughs> uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, has an organization. Uh, don't want to lose to Max, and Max uh, has a player does not want to lose to the Montreal Canadiens. There will be uh, um, there is extra emotion and motivation um, for both sides on that, and, and and probably more for the player. You know, like for the players of the Montreal Canadiens, like they don't hold anything against Max. Mm-hmm. You know, guy was a great player. There was a great teammate. Um, you know that they they love Max, uh, the general manager and the owner. Probably not the same. Uh, they don't have any impact on the games at this point in time. Max Pacioretty uh, probably doesn't you know, have a, any ill will towards his former teammates, and for sure he does not. But he doesn't want Jeff Molson and Mark Bergevin to advance the Stanley Cup instead of him. No chance. They're, they're, that's a storyline for sure.
0: Do you think Max is a different player than he was when he played for the Montreal Canadiens?
1: It's hard to... Um, like, Max never had the supporting cast there that he has now. And, uh, you know, I think at a, I think scoring was probably, like, what the Montreal Canadiens really needed for Max here.
0: And uh, he did that there. And
1: he did that there, yeah. Uh-huh. And here, um, it, there's more balance, uh, there's more depth, and there's a, a larger emphasis on uh, doing all of the things that are required to win. And... Uh, max is a, a better two-way player uh, he's a more complete player now more than, he, than, than yeah. he was there uh, can score in different ways um, doesn't have to carry the burden of uh, of being the only guy uh, in terms of leadership you know the captain's on his line he's not he's not the captain the captain is on the other wing um, and I think he's playing with the best player that he's ever played with in his career in Mark stone like that's not even in question. Uh, you know his best line mate for sure. So uh, lots of uh, things are different in Vegas for Max than they were in Montreal.
0: How much should we be putting into the Patchetti Suzuki storyline?
1: Uh, none. You know what I mean? Like they like there's. Uh, uh, Nick Suzuki was a piece that Vegas had that Montreal coveted. So that's why he got traded. I saw George McPhee the night that he traded for Max Pacioretty and, and, and traded Nick Suzuki. And, uh, it was not easy. Like the Golden Knights did not want to give up Nick Suzuki. They had to, to get, uh, to get a player like Max Pacioretty. And, um, look what Nick Suzuki has turned into. He arguably Montreal's best forward. You know, between him and Tyler Toffoli, when you when you're looking at an all-around two-way guy that can uh, that can skate, can check, and is dangerous offensively. Very good player. Uh, so you don't think that it's a, st-
0: a storyline because it will it will be played up by the Canadian
1: media. It, 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 you said how much should we put into it? Uh, I said nothing. Uh, okay, th- that doesn't mean others won't. Like like there's no. Uh, you know, Max didn't. Uh, the the Max wasn't the causation for Nick being traded. Like that's uh, there's not ill will there between between those two players because of because of the trade. And both players have been really successful and have helped the the places they went. It was a good trade for both organizations. Pretty would, impressive, would, eh? Yeah, would Montreal like to still have Max Pacioretty and Nick Nick Suzuki for sure? Would Vegas like to have Max Pacioretty and Nick Suzuki? 100%. But that's just not, the, that, that's, that's not what happened. That's not what transpired. Vegas needed a veteran guy that could score and that could be relied on in that, in that role.
0: Vegas has changed uh, since Nick Suzuki was part of the organization, new head coach in Pete DeBoer. Uh, this is what uh, the Golden Knights bench boss had to say about what he sees in Montreal.
2: Uh, you know we've spent a lot of time on on watching them particularly in the playoffs i think that's when they've kind of found their identity and their systems under their new coach seem to be uh, more seamless and um but that's all you can do and and you know i'll be honest with you um, a lot of this is about our game we want to translate a lot of the things we did well to beat a really
3: tough minnesota team and a really tough colorado team uh, into this series
0: do you see Montreal as a hybrid between Colorado and Minnesota in the way they approach the game?
1: Well, they have, you know, like Suzuki is a, a, is a guy that would fit in on that Colorado roster. You know, he's got speed to burn and uh, and is a really good, uh, has finish and, you know, high, high-end talent guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have uh, big, heavy defensemen like Weber and Sherratt that, uh, you know, kind of look like the the middle of the blue line for uh, for Minnesota. There's there's weight and heft in that lineup. And there's uh, and there's skill. So, uh, yeah, I can understand how it's a little bit of a hybrid.
0: Uh, looking forward to breaking down Montreal uh, a little more detail with Arpon Basu in just a little bit, as well as Dave Gosher, a play-by-play voice on the AT&T Sportsnet uh, broadcast. Uh, he is overcovering the New York Islanders and the Tampa Bay Lightning. and he'll He's be playing tennis. Yeah, well, he's going to uh, take a break from playing tennis, and he's going to uh, have to buck up for the extra half an hour of the rental and join us on the radio. Uh, he will pop by and give us uh, an inside look as to uh, the other side of the bracket. This is nighttime at noon, game day, game one, Stanley Cup semifinal coming your way on the VGK Radio Network. We are live on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Opening game of the Stanley Cup semifinal at T-Mobile Arena. 18,000-plus will be in attendance uh, for this one. The Montreal Canadiens uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. Leading scores through two rounds of the playoffs for the two teams. William Carlson with four goals and seven assists, good for 11 points. And Tyler Toffoli with four goals, five assists. And uh, and he has, uh, sorry, four goals, six assists, a good four, ten points. Uh, Darren Millard along with Gary Lawless here in Studio 31, City National Arena. Pleased to bring in Arpan Basu from The Athletic uh, joining us. Uh, first time that I had a chance to talk to you. Uh, what's your nickname? What what do we call you if we're going to joke around and have some fun with you?
2: Arpan Basu? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what Gary
0: said. I'm like, can we have some fun here? I, I apologize, Arpan, for... Uh,
1: R.P.? Yeah. I've never I've yeah, never heard you call that. What some no people kidding. call me sometimes, yeah. Oh, nice. Uh,
0: really. uh,
1: Arpon is a um, he knows his tea. What mm. what tea have you had today, Arpon?
2: What tea have I had? I usually I usually go with the uh, with the Darjeeling. That's my I'm Indian, Ooh. so yes, nice. I have a, I have a penchant for Darjeeling tea.
0: Uh, what are you looking to uh, happen tonight? Uh, like what's first and, and front and center on your mind?
2: Well, I think the Canadians layoffs is, is probably the biggest thing that I'll be watching for tonight. Um what if any impact that has on them. Uh you know, obviously Vegas has been off <clears throat> excuse me, Vegas has been off for a while, so it's not as if uh it's not as if they're coming right off hot off the heels of a series, but you know, the Canadians jumped right from round one straight into round two and, and rode that momentum right through round two. So uh, they've had a week off here, which, you know, they, they can heal up a little bit. Um, you know, Jeff Petrie shouldn't miss too much of the series as a result of that week off. But, yeah, the, the first period, uh, just to see how much jump Vegas has, if it's that much higher than what Montreal is able to bring immediately is, is the main thing I'll be looking for tonight.
1: Well, the big thing for me is we're going to find out how these divisions match up because yeah. <laughs> we haven't seen them play. We don't, like, you know, the North Division may be, and I've said this all year, might be head and shoulders above the West and the, and the Central and the East, or uh, the West might be head and shoulders above. Like, do you think that's a factor tonight?
2: Yeah, it's a huge factor. This is, this is what makes this round so compelling to me, yeah. and it's less so the other series because we had the Islanders and the Lightning in this same round last year, so it's a little less new. But... That's exactly it, and and I thought it was really interesting that Mark Berger, without even being asked about it, went to the trouble to be like, you know, he sees all this stuff about the North Division being like the worst division and and all this stuff, and and went about defending it and talking about the factors that were in play, you know, with the you know cross-country travel and and the lack of easy games, you know, the ascension of the centers making every game tough, all the superstar players that were involved and all those points are true, but you can make all those points about every division. There's there's no way of really knowing uh, where people stack up, you know, and so um, I'm of the mind that I think the North Division had some really challenging teams, had some really challenging players to defend, and, and, you know, the fact that the Canadiens already got through the Toronto Maple Leafs, who I think were a legitimate contending team, um, sort of validates their, their place here, but it's it's fascinating to me that we're going to see two teams play for the first time all year in the in the Stanley Cup semifinal. It, it adds a level like it makes this so much more compelling than it already would be
1: naturally.
0: Arpan Basu with us. Uh, He covers the Montreal Canadiens for the Athletic. Check out his stuff. Uh, Some great uh, resource uh, material there to get you ready for this series against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, On with us, uh, Gary Lawless, Darren Millard, on nighttime at noon, Fox Sports, Las Vegas. Uh, Tell me if it's accurate to say Montreal is slightly surprised to be in the Final Four. Uh,
2: Themselves? No. I don't think so. Honestly, it's and you know, I've been saying this a lot, but it's you know you look back to last offseason, and if you try to think back to prior to this season, all the moves that Montreal made me offseason were all clearly geared towards a team that could, could perform in the playoffs. They went against the grain a little bit, went with a really jumbo-sized defense, not necessarily the most mobile guys, but very physical, hard to play against, net front protector guys. And that's paying off for them now. It's not as obvious in the regular season when the game's a lot looser, a lot faster, and and maybe those guys' weaknesses kind of show up more. But in this type of hockey, guys like Joel Edmondson, Ben Sherratt, Shea Weber, they look a lot better than they do in the regular season because ask any of the Jets forwards and any of the Maple Leafs forwards how easy it was to get to the front of Carey Price's net, and it wasn't easy. And that's a big part of why Carey Price is playing so well is that he is seeing shots. He's not facing a lot of second or third opportunities. He's not giving up that many rebounds. And so that whole aspect of the game is easier for him. He can focus on the first shooter, and that's largely because of the work of the defensemen and the top four guys, if you include Petrie in that mix when he's back in. You know, they play roughly 45 to 50 minutes of the game. So, you know, there's there's just a few minutes left over for the two other guys. So it's, it's really a challenge for them and that's just to me that's just an example of everything that they did leading into the season and they expected it to play out now so i think from their perspective they're not surprised at all we might be i am slightly but because of that because of what i just mentioned i'm not shocked because i think this was always the intent for this team was to to peak and and be able to perform at its best when this style of hockey was
1: in place it's funny ben shirat uh, i watched that series and i was thinking huh He's exactly what Winnipeg needs. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, they could have used a guy like him. And yeah. honestly, like the underplayed part of the Winnipeg thing was them losing Dylan DeMello. you know. And it's like on the first shift of Game One, and yeah. their defense was so thin already. But that's, you know, the strength of this Canadiens team defensively, at least, has been has been that has been those four guys being able to play 25 minutes a game and just keeping people far away from Carey Price as possible.
1: When uh, Dom Ducharme was named head coach of the Montreal Canadiens, uh, Kelly McCrimmon commented to me that he, uh, he thought Dom was an excellent coach, and uh, and if given the opportunity to, you know, to get his way of doing things installed, would be very effective. Uh, what kind of coach is Dom Ducharme? Well, I think he's
2: he's a modern coach. He's a guy who relates to players. He's able to. He has already uh, gotten full buy-in from from the players because he deals with them on an individual basis. He doesn't. He, yes, he addresses the team, but every single person on that team has had multiple conversations with Dominique Ducharme about what their role is, what they expect, what what he expects of them, uh, how much they can expect to play. Like everything is transparent. So it's it's a pretty big departure from the way Claude Julien did things. Who was, you know, more of an old school coach and and, and didn't have a lot of those one-on-one conversations, and was open about it. We said, didn't feel the need to have those conversations with everyone. They're big boys; they can they can deal with my decisions as they come. And so he's that's one part of him. The other part of him is is he's very precise, and he has he has a very detail-oriented system. And what the system is based on is. Uh, it really empowers the players it gives them options so the players need to read certain situations and in situation a you have option b c or d and you have to choose which one is most effective in that moment so i feel it's very empowering to the players kind of you know akin to an offensive coordinator in football allowing his quarterback to call some plays every now and then so it's it he really is someone who believes and trusts his players to make the right decisions on the ice what he does is he provides a framework those players to make those decisions so that they make the right one more often than not
1: the blue line is something that you know you you touched on for a second i'm interested in the in the depth of the forage group you know when you have a a fourth line that uh, has guys like uh, stall and perry on it and uh, you look at the speed that, that that suzuki can bring like there's a real unique blend up front, there's a little bit of everything. Uh, uh, someone who uh, uh, watched the Canadians and and Jets series close, someone from the Jets organization s- called them today a group of souped-up grinders. <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> that's actually a very good description because the one the one line that that does not fit for is the Suzuki line with Tyler Toffoli and Cole Caulfield, which is really their. Their offensive line like that is what where they hope to produce the most scoring chances the only line that really plays with any degree of offensive creativity or flair in the offensive zone they will not they will not simply throw the puck back to the point and then go and you know funnel towards the net and hope for loose pucks and tips and rebounds and stuff they will try to make plays every other line on the team that's what you're gonna see by and large in terms of their offensive ability you're gonna see a lot of pucks going to the blue line you're going to see a lot of bodies in front of the net. And so, you know, you look at the Philip Denot line, which traditionally has been a really good offensive line. And they've, they've, they've played in the offensive zone a fair bit in the playoffs. But they are absolutely a shutdown line. I'm sure Mark Stone and Taylor Stevenson and Max Pacioretty are going to see as much as Dominique Ducharme can manage to get them out there against them. Uh, but, you know, Max Pacioretty is going to see a lot of his former center, Philip Deno in this in this series. Uh, the third line is Ferry Josh Anderson, and uh, oh my gosh, <laughs> third guy, I'm drawing a blank. But um, you know that line. Oh, Paul Byron, sorry. That line is is exactly that. This heavy forechecking line that looks to punish defensemen, recovering pucks, and 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 really play a physical brand of hockey, but really dump and chase and crash and bang. That's kind of their identity. And then that fourth line with Stahl Perry, and Armia, just a big, heavy. You know, not necessarily overly physical, but just hard to knock off the puck possession line, and you're going to see them cycling the puck a lot. And it's going to seem like they're not doing a whole lot. Well, what they're doing is is just creating zone time, creating offensive pressure, even if it doesn't result in a shot on goal. They'll cycle for an entire shift and nothing will happen, and they'll get off, and that'll be a good shift for them. So it is really four sort of unique identities for the four lines on the team. But I think the guy, the the Jets person who who. Described them as souped-up grinders. I don't think he was that far off.
0: No, it's uh, not even uh, a, like a distant uh, evaluation. It's uh, pretty accurate, uh, absolutely, uh, on the line. Uh, ARpon, uh, thank you. I'm really excited to see uh, your reaction tonight to the 18,000 people as well. I think that'll be uh, uh, maybe a little overwhelming at times, but uh, it, it must be something that you're, uh, you're tracking.
2: I would have well, I would have loved to have been there. Unfortunately, our government up here wouldn't have let me come back home, so I had to stay. I had oh, you stay didn't here. come?
1: Hey, our part. Yeah, no, I'm not
2: there, and the people who are there from Montreal are staying there for games three and four. So that's
0: makes sense. Like that's
2: what we had to yeah. do, and we we just decided it didn't make sense to do that. So if the government listens to the quarantine rules at some point during the series, I'll be down there for uh, for a potential.
1: Game five. Real fast, Arpon, how many people do you expect in the building in Montreal for games three and four? Well, the Canadians have made a request to the, to the Public
2: Health Department to increase the limit from 2,500. I personally, this is not based on anything, but I don't see why they couldn't get 5,000 in the building when they were able to do 2,500 so well. Uh, it's a building that holds 21,000, so I mean, it's.
1: Man, a they a way should for them
2: have, to get more people in. I think they just want to make sure that it went well the first time. But I would think yeah. that they will they will they will lift the lift the limit for Game Three.
1: Well, hopefully they get to like ten five or something like that. Like it just uh, listen. Hopefully they get to twenty one thousand. That building is incredible yeah. when it's yeah. full. And well, this uh,
2: series this series would be in, like the two yeah. buildings would have just been phenomenal to go from one building to the other. Like two of the best atmospheres in the NHL going head yeah. to head. Yeah. It's unfortunate that. We're not going to have that in Montreal, but hopefully maybe by the end we can get close to it.
1: Okay, great. Thanks, Arpan. I really appreciate uh, you uh, taking the time to join us. Okay, pal? All right. My pleasure, guys. All right. Be good, buddy.
0: Uh, Arpan Basu from The Athletic. Uh, didn't realize it. Uh, it makes sense that, that they uh, they travel back and forth. You
1: there. went from, uh, I don't know you, what well, your nickname, to Buddy, as you said goodbye to him. That's we, we, nice. Uh, you, you, you make fast friends.
0: If people are willing to come on this program with you, they are <laughs> must be really, really good people. <laughs> That's the way I look at it. Uh, Dave Gosher is going to stop by the program in just a little bit. He,
1: he, he doesn't qualify. Uh, we'll switch gears to the Islanders <laughs> and the
0: Tampa Bay Lightning and probably get into a whole bunch of other stuff uh, as we continue. Stop by and visit City National Arena. That's where we are right now, located in downtown Summerlin. Bring the family to learn to skate like the pros at the official practice facility of your Vegas school. And programming, visit citynationalarena.com. Uh, Dave Gosher's is coming up on nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Live from City National Arena. This is nighttime at noon on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Well. Clunking you to here is Gary Lawless is putting on his headset. Uh, Darren Millard uh, here at City National Arena, inside Studio Thirty One, Vegas Golden Knights, Montreal Canadiens, Game One of the Stanley Cup Semi Final series tonight. They haven't faced each other since January of twenty twenty. And it was uh, Pete DeBoer's second game uh, behind the bench of the Vegas School tonight. so it's been a while. There'll be some uh, getting-to-know-each-other moments uh, during the course of the early goings of this series, just like what we saw yesterday, Tampa Bay Lightning, the New York Islanders. And calling that one on uh, national radio on AM 1230, the game here in Las Vegas, is Dave Gosher with uh, Dave Maloney. Uh, How are you?
3: I'm doing good, Mallard. I I didn't know the show. Did you invent... We, you could take calls now on nighttime at noon. Did you just make this up on your own last week? Do I remember that right?
0: We did that. We did that last week with Shane Knighty.
3: Well, that's uh, I like that. Like you're a trendsetter in that area, so that's, that's a good thing. You this know, call, notwithstanding, I think it's a good idea.
0: You know what occurred to me? It uh, Because I was thinking we, we might not be able to do it because we're doing the show at a Studio 31. But then uh, in the back of my mind, something tweaked. And I went, we have guests on the phone. Why can't we have callers on the phone? And uh, and then it ended up being great. We had Papa Lou, we had uh, uh, Rita, we had a, we had a few uh, good ones with Shane the other day. We we introduced Shane to the masses.
3: That's great. Well, yeah, I, I don't think they've ever heard of him before, so that's good. That's good.
1: did did Kenny get you in straight sets? Well,
3: <laughs> so I'll tell you a funny story. So Kenny Albert, who's doing the games, obviously uh, NBCSN, right? So he texted me the other day, or I saw him maybe in Vegas for the four game six, right? So he says, "Hey, uh, you know, in Tampa, like, do you play tennis?" I said, "Yeah, of course, I played number one singles in high school." And um, we said, "There's a place you can rent courts and right near the hotel in Tampa." I said, "Okay, great." So we rented a court, uh, rented rackets, and I know it's hot back in Vegas. I understand that, but it's hot and humid here, so we lasted one set, and uh, I was victorious, six three. It was a big win today. Big
1: Kenny win. wasn't warmed up, and so you probably pulled a hamstring uh, <laughs> to, to end things so, early.
3: Well, so here's how it went. So we start at clay courts, by the way, which is not my specialty. I'm better on, uh, on cement. And uh, <laughs> so I go up, I win the first three games. The guy that's running the courts, like he's the maintenance fella, comes over yeah. and says, because you, you have to water down clay courts, unbeknownst to me. And he says, hey, I have to water this, this. They have like a sprinkler system. I have to turn on the sprinklers on your court right now. I said, right now? There's nobody else out. There's 15 courts where we're at. There's nobody on any of the other courts. I had to water down our court. We have to go to the court adjacent to us, and I lose the next three games. And I blame three you off. changing of the
0: court. What yep. did you but then change to a pickleball court?
3: Three and took it 6-3, and we were both exhausted. And called
0: huh. Do you have the serve going?
3: Yeah. Usually my serve's pretty good. I was having... Trouble with the first serve, had to spin in the second serve. Had a couple double faults. Uh, Hold
1: on, we don't want to they, play by play here. Like, this, yeah, this, it, it, it
3: wasn't Djokovic coming back yesterday. I but I wanted to let you know that I won. I was winning.
1: what did you see yesterday in the uh, in the Islanders win over the Lightning?
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what, Law Man, I thought it was kind of vintage Islanders. Right? Um, they grabbed the lead, able to shut it down pretty good. I I, I thought from the one of the things. Uh, Darren mentioned, you know, doing the games on radio with Dave Maloney. We talked about was, you know, the kind of the big guys for Tampa Bay, the first couple of periods really weren't factors. We had Kucherov, Point, and Stamkos combined for one shot through the first two periods. And I I know Point broke through with a a six-on-four goal late. Um, You know, Kenny and I were just talking about this a little while ago. Uh, You know, they benched even Stamkos after after the turnover on the first goal that the Islanders scored. So... I just thought that, you know, the, the big guys for Tampa never really seemed to get going. You know, they made the push late. Um, I, you know, you would expect them to be better here for game two, but the Islanders, vintage Islanders, grab the lead, build on it, shut it down, and, you know, we were able to kind of ride that to, to the wind yesterday
1: afternoon. I wonder what goes through the coach's mind. Uh, Stamkos, you know, makes a, makes a giveaway, and then you're like, I'm going to bench Stamkos. Now, did you pause on that for a second and think, you know, maybe not? Or, uh, like, early, that's game one of a series. You're parking Steven Stamkos.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They came back later. So he, they benched him for probably five, six minutes. And then Oof. I think Tampa Bay had a power play late in the second period and he got back out there. But, yeah. And I thought some of their better guys, I mean, you know, I'm sure you saw a good chunk of the game, you know, um, Braden Point had a costly turnover. Didn't cost them a goal, but led to a great chance. I think it was Josh Bailey had a chance for the Islanders. Barzell walked around. Victor Hedman for a great chance at one point in the game. Vasilevsky in net. I don't know what you guys thought. Uh, you know, We kind of thought should have handled the second goal from Pollock. You know, a long shot from the right point that, that beat him. So, yeah, I, I just think some of their best guys didn't really have a big chunk of the game. Now, you'd expect that would that would change tomorrow, but, uh, you know, I guess that remains to be seen.
0: So do you feel better if you're Tampa because you didn't get the big performances out of your uh, top-end guys and you were still close?
3: I would think so, Mallard, yeah. I mean, you know, but again, it didn't It didn't feel like it was that. I know the score says 2-1, to one, but we kind of thought the Islanders controlled most of the game. Just, you know, they had the better of the chances. Through the first couple of periods, it looked to us that, Tampa Bay's best chances came, you know, while they were shorthanded. They had a couple of good chances, um, two in the first period, another one in the second. Um, they never seemed to make that push, you know, to really get the Islanders on their heels. Now, I, I guess the other side of that equation would be, you know, you have to give the Islanders full marks. I mean, they, they're able to, to really play great defensive hockey. I didn't know this until I was kind of jotting down some notes for yesterday. You wouldn't think it. The Islanders have scored the most goals in the playoffs of any team. And I didn't know that until, you know, getting ready for yesterday. So, you know, that always seems to be the question, right? Can they score enough to be able to to get to go all the way? Well, I, I don't know, but they're able to score enough to, to win two rounds and then, the you know, to win game one yesterday.
1: Dave, let's turn back to this series. You obviously uh, follow the, the Golden Knights' uh Quite closely. What do you expect tonight in Game One between Vegas and Montreal?
3: Yeah, I just hope Gary that they're able to. You know, the Golden Knights were able to kind of carry over a lot of what they did, and so much of the good they did as that series went on against Colorado. Right? Uh, You know, especially some of their big guys were able to break through. So that Glider Carlson, Marcia Stone Smith had a great series. Um, You know, you get some goals from the big guys in Game Six against Colorado. I guess my biggest. You know, my biggest concern is going into this series. There's a few, but at the top of the list is, you know, we've all seen this over the years from Carey Price, right? He's going to be able to, you know, if he goes on a run and he stays hot. And look, I can't believe that Montreal has not trailed for a single second since falling behind three games to one to Toronto in that in that first round series. You know, so you know, do they still have this lightning in a bottle that they've been able to carry through on this seven game winning streak? Um, so I'm concerned about that, you know, as well. But, you know, for the Golden Knights' standpoint, look, they they just knocked off a, a heck of a team in Colorado, and you know, have some time here to kind of get recharged and rested and and ready to go for this series. So I just hope they can continue to roll along. You know, the way they were able to, you know, bounce back from losing the first two games against Colorado and and run off four straight against a, a fantastic Avalanche team.
1: It's interesting, you know, in year one. Vegas, you know, swept the Kings, took them five games to beat the Sharks. Five or six to beat the Sharks? Six. Six. And then five to beat, to beat Winnipeg. And uh, they, they just had, they had like so much time off between each series. Um, almost too much time off, it felt like, uh, by the time they got to... To Washington. It's almost like this, you know. They learned in that first series against Minnesota. Uh, they used some of those lessons uh, against Colorado. the perfect amount of time off between last series and this series, where they could get fresh but stay in sync. And now, um, like I think, I think. Vegas is, they're getting healthy at the right time. I don't know if they will, you know, kind of take another step, but it feels like they're primed to be even better in this series, in this round, than they have in the previous two.
3: Yeah, I think it makes sense, Lawman. Well, you know, and to your point, I, I think sometimes too much time off is, is detrimental. And I think it was in year one, you know, between yeah. you know, the conference final and the cup final against Washington. I know they won the first game that of, of the final, but... I don't think either team was crazy about how that first game unfolded, and Vegas never really seemed to find its game until I think it was the first period of Game Four in Washington. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you that they've had a little bit of time here to to kind of get ready for this series, um, probably just the, the the appropriate amount of time where um, you can get everyone recharged and refreshed and and ready to go. And uh, yeah, I mean it's it's fantastic here. You're down to the you're down to the final four teams, um, you know, and, and, and you've got teams that have they've kind of come at it all different ways. You know, I mean, incredibly, none of the top seeds in any of the divisions are still playing. And But at this time of year, it's about, you know, how do you find different ways to win? You know, the Golden Knights were able to do that. Had a 3-1 lead against Mini, Couldn't close it out. Eventually closed it out. They had never been down two games to none in the series. Had that against Colorado and then ran the table for the next four. So, yeah, I mean, they put themselves in a, in a heck of a spot here to, to go into the series against the Canadians.
0: Uh, tell me, between playing tennis and talking to us, that you phoned and wished your beautiful wife a happy birthday today.
3: I did. Yeah, I did. Well, we've exchanged text messages. <laughs> she's, in, uh, she's in Huntington Beach and on the beach, so okay. uh, she's slumming it. Over in, in HB as we speak, but yes, we've we've exchanged messages appropriately. Okay, and, I just uh, I worry you know, about they, you sometimes. Yeah, I, and I appreciate your concern. She has a heck of a gig for herself. I don't think there's any question about it. You know, she <laughs> hold say on. That. Uh,
1: It'll I, be I, peaceful
0: wherever she you is. She just
1: told us about playing tennis, and yeah. now you like you got no game to call today. So I'm, yep. you know, like, I, what you're going to do this afternoon, I know your game plan, I know exactly what's going to happen, hat That's tricks happen. and then dinner, and you've got the nerve to suggest that Christine is a good gig.
3: <laughs> so after I hang up with you guys, which can't be soon enough, uh, I'm going to um, print out a couple of things for the game tomorrow, maybe make a couple of detailed notations, and then I do have to go to dinner at
0: 6.30 Eastern time. Yeah, okay. That's so a full day ahead.
1: Sorry, you're breaking up.
0: can't hear you anymore. <laughs>
1: Uh, we got game one in Vegas at T-Mobile.
0: Uh, we got gotcha. you.
3: I'll be watching game one later tonight. And we, listening.
0: We listened to you yesterday on AM 1230, uh, the game, as the family was out and about. So uh, you and uh, Dave doing a great job. Uh, look forward to game two tomorrow. And uh, enjoy taking in from afar the opener of the other Stanley Cup semifinal between Vegas and Montreal. Be good, buddy.
3: Yeah, yeah for sure, guys. Have a blast tonight. Take care. See
0: you, Gosh. One of my good friends. You've known him for a little bit, but he's one of my really good friends, Dave Gosher. Dave Gosher. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Join other Golden Knight fans around the world with VGK Worldwide, the official global fan club of the Vegas Golden Knights. Become a premium member by visiting vgkworldwide.com and purchasing your kit today. Premium members receive access to exclusive merchandise, exciting contests, and specialized content. Garrett Calloway and I have been uh, working on this uh, hard for the last couple of years. Don't miss the opportunity to be part of Painting the Globe Gold. Uh, final thoughts as we look ahead to game number one tonight, day-long coverage right here on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to nighttime at noon on your home for the Vegas Golden Knights, Fox Sports Las Vegas. I be a little
1: be a little I kind of like it in the middle. Is Who's this?
0: Jared Justice? That would be the Bare Naked Ladies.
1: Nice. That's new Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah, it came out uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, Sauce, Steven Page. Still pretty good though. Uh, I. It's like Van Halen or Van Hager, mm-hmm.
0: right? You take still Van pretty H- good. You take Van Halen. I didn't mind uh, Sammy doing his thing. No, Darren Millard along with. Uh, Garrett Calloway here in the uh, Fox Sports Las Vegas studio, Studio 31 at Sydney National Arena. Gary Lawless has been benched uh, for a couple of seconds. Because all he does is want to argue. Uh, do you want to uh um, Well, you say stupid some...
1: stuff. I, like, what, what do you want me to do? I didn't mind
0: Sammy with Van Halen. Uh,
1: not that you mind it. It's not Van Halen, though. No.
0: Uh, so we have uh, game number one tonight, 18,000 people in attendance. Mm-hmm. Montreal's played before 2,600. That's the most. Do you think the initial part of the game with the crowd going crazy will have even more of an effect tonight.
1: For sure. Yeah, you have to get used to um, communicating on the ice. You've been able to, you know, to talk to one another all year long with no one in the building, and now you're going to go back to get the puck, and Ryan Reeves is going to be breathing down your neck, and you're going to want to hear your D partner or your goalie screaming at you where to go, and you're not going to hear them. And, uh, you know, there's lots of talk that Grubauer struggled with the crowd noise on Nick Holden's goal in game in game six. That Riley Smith, when he kind of faked that he was going to go back into the corner and cycle, um, the noise and uh, and the distraction of a full barn uh, caused Grubauer to react poorly and late. No, I just thought he lost sight of the puck looking in the corner
0: but uh there's when it starts there's rolling a reason why you're looking in the corner where when it starts rolling boy and the, the whole they're everywhere yeah. uh type thing uh who do you think uh the montreal canadians focus on trying to shut down is it the william carlson line or is it the chandler stevenson line
1: i don't think you can i and i and i, I would not overlooked the third line with Nick Waugh and Alex Tuck. I think, yeah, I, I guess, you know, you want to have Phil Deneau out there against Pacioretty and uh, and Stone, but pick your poison. Because
0: Colorado tried, and then the Smith line uh, ate them up.
1: Yeah, and the, eventually Waugh and Tuck got into the act as well. That, that To me, that third line with Yanmark in his third game, uh, since returning from, uh, from a concussion. Uh, just to me, they become, uh, e- e- they, they become the X-factor line that, uh, that Tuck was at times in the bubble last year. I'm interested to see if they can really have an impact on the series.
0: You know, Vegas has an opportunity to do something in this series that nobody has ever accomplished in the National Hockey League before, and that is beat the Colorado Avalanche slash Quebec, and Montreal Canadiens uh. in the same playoff year.
1: The Bruins never did that. Never did that. Really?
0: Never happened uh, where somebody went through both teams in the same playoff year. Uh,
1: at Montreal and Quebec, I think they p- must have played each other in the first round a, a lot. A lot of times, yeah. 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 And, yeah. and it really 90, wasn't, they, In 93, Montreal beat Quebec out the last time Montreal mm-hmm. went, on, went on to win the Stanley Cup. And then that, that group that was the Quebec Nordiques, uh, they went to Colorado and eventually got uh, gifted. Patrick Waugh and Mike Keenan won the Stanley Cup in '96.
0: Uh Pete DeBoer in a conference final for the third straight year. Yeah, so and, and if that. you
1: factor in uh, the, the two Ryans, Ryan Craig and Ryan McGill, the the Golden Knights coaching staff has been uh, four years in a row has been on this uh, has been on this stage.
0: Uh, incredible what we're seeing out of uh, both the Vegas Golden Knights and the Cinderella Montreal Canadiens. Is that the way you see this series playing
1: out? Oh uh, Montreal Montreal's the underdog for sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: You know, at the betting window, I'm told that Vegas is the most uh, the highest rated favorite uh, in in conference history.
1: Well, there's a it it's skewed because so much of that handle is based in Vegas, like, right? And people in Vegas like to like to sports bet, and they have their own team. Like you know, and if you're just a regular guy and you want to put five bucks down on your team and you can do it very easily in Vegas, you do it. So but they've never seen a
0: conference final. This this. No, well, and I,
1: I think a lot of that is if we had, you know, Joe Asher or somebody on here to to break that down, mm-hmm. they would tell you a lot of it is because uh, the betting pool is based in Vegas.
0: Uh, Montreal is a four seed though, so that has to influence it to a certain extent. But they've won seven in a row. Uh, We'll see what happens tonight. Uh, You guys have the call. Coming up, uh, 6 o'clock with Dan Duva. Ryan Wallace is the pregame show at 5 o'clock. BGK Insider Show uh, from T-Mobile Arena at 4 o'clock as we uh, back things up. Day-long coverage here going into game
1: number one. Should be. Should be every day. Every hockey day. Good stuff. It
0: basically is right now. Uh, Gary Lawless with uh, 40 seconds to go has already checked out, so I'll carry you the rest of the way. Uh, Enjoy game number one. 18,000 screaming fans. You will be an influence, uh, whether you're in the arena or not, watching the Golden Knights uh, assert themselves in the Stanley Cup semifinals. And Fox Sports Las Vegas is the only place to keep track of all of it. Thanks for listening. Chat with you again tomorrow.